0: just go to Cars.com. It's Magical.
1: Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, reminding you to check out the show live on YouTube on Wednesday nights at 8.10 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to check out our Patreon page where you can unlock exclusive perks, including access to A patron Q&A session where we take Falcons questions for about 30 minutes to an hour. That's a lot of fun. You can find that page at patreon.com slash falcoholic live. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 138 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter, joined by my co-host Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson, Eric, how are you doing this evening?
2: Uh, doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good.
1: Yes, and obviously, been a busy couple weeks. We were off last week uh, with myself on vacation. I think some other folks are on vacation this week, but we just couldn't we couldn't possibly go two weeks without a show, especially when sure. we've got a lot of free agents. To break down, uh, including a signing today, we've got a trade to talk about. We've got uh, at nine o'clock, we're going to be having Nathan Cooper from Sports Info Solutions on to talk about uh, his observations and the upcoming draft class, including the Falcons and who they may be interested in. So it's going to be a uh, full show for you guys. We might get, I guess, Oddnan when he gets off of his class as well. Uh, but it's gonna be you know a little more intimate discussion tonight with just just Eric and I, so you guys get us all to yourself. But uh, obviously, well, I guess there's we we haven't talked about any of the free agent additions, so there's a lot to get to. But yeah, I we guess didn't,
2: we, didn't, we didn't have any activity in the last. No,
1: year. right. Um, so let's just start at the top with the most recent signing, which would be cornerback Fabian Moreau, most recently of the Washington Football Team. I uh, don't believe any of the details of the contract have been announced yet, uh, but what are your, your instant thoughts? Cause we haven't, I mean, I think we just put the article out on the site. It was so recent. So what are your uh, immediate takeaways from that signing?
2: Um, I, I like the signing actually, you know, he uh, was a former third round pick out of UCLA for Washington back in 2017. Um, and he led the team in interceptions in 2019. Um, You know he played in 60 games over the course of four seasons. Kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit there in Washington. Um, So one thing that stood out about him, especially in the pre-draft process, tested very well. Yeah. Even though he got hurt at his pro day, Um, I think he tore his pec at at his pro day, but tested very, very well. We're in a four-three-five and a forty. He had a very excellent broad jump. I think a vert of 38, 38 and a half. So he's a really good all-around athlete, a little bit over six, probably around six feet, shade over 200 pounds, um, can play both left and right corner. Um, Is solid in in press man, off man zone. Um, The one red flags that I see with him, um, he's a big corner, you know, in terms of NFL size, but he doesn't play as if he's a big corner. He's somewhat of a, I don't want to say finesse, big corner, but he's not as physical as you would want him to be. He's not as aggressive mm-hmm. as you would want him to be. He can play press man, but he's not going to be that type of corner that's really going to get in your grill and going right. irritate you all game. Um, so that's one thing that stood out to me. Um, the instincts are not necessarily great. They're, they're decent at times. Um, if you go back and look at, look at some of his film, um, route anticipation um, was something that he needed to work on as well. Um, but outside of that, I think it's a good signing. I think it's a solid signing. I think this is a guy that can actually come in and he can push Oliver in Sheffield right now. He can, I, if a game was to, you know, was to go on tomorrow, I, Morrow can probably start, if not start, see some considerable minutes opposite mm-hmm. AJ Morrell. Like he's, 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 yeah, a corner. he's still young. Kid is only what, 20. Yeah.
1: Still young for sure. Yeah.
2: So, um, He's still got some refinement to do, so it's not like they're signing an old bet that's you know just close to <laughs> the end of the line like no this he's still he's coming off his first contract with Washington so he's still fresh right, right. Um, yeah so I like it yeah
1: I mean I assume it's probably pretty cheap also um speaking of Evan here he is by the way what's up Evan how are you doing tonight, man? can you hear us, buddy
2: hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I, I got you. I got you. Okay. I figured you might have been Uh-oh. on
1: the phone, you know, with uh, Ian Rappaport getting the latest scoop for us. Uh so yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> No. No. Ian no. is
2: on the phone with him. That's what it is. Oh, that's it's- right. Yeah, Ian's calling yeah.
1: him for the for the tip. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I got to try and find somebody for the next next week, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. we're still working on it.
1: Yeah, we're getting that going. But uh, yeah, (laughs) we're having a little Fabian Moreau discussion. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I guess my takeaway on that is I like it. Like, I I, I think Eric is possibly right that right now Moreau is maybe the cornerback too, <laughs> just kind of by default. I mean, maybe you could consider Isaiah Oliver like the second best corner. I, I don't know, but I mean, Oliver's probably staying in the slot.
2: Um, I, I think, I think Moreau can push him just based I mean, on probably the athletic profile.
1: Yeah. Um, they certainly don't have a lot right uh, at corner. So yeah. Moreau kind of steps in as a starter by default because the only other three guys are, well, the other guys would be like Sheffield, who was bad last year, uh, and Ooh. a couple of UDFA types. That's basically yeah. it. Um, yeah. In,
2: in terms of in terms of the draft, how this will reflect in the draft, um, I feel comfortable by saying that they're probably not going to take a corner early. Very, yeah, I mean, they it, very well they very well may still take a corner just for depth purposes. I think this is something. This may indicate to me that they may not be leaning towards bringing back Bleedy Ray Wilson, maybe Denard as well. Right. Um, because, because now, technically, if you were to bring those guys back, you'll have, what, six corners on the roster.
1: I think they already have six, yeah. So we so already have
2: six. So I think this is this may be a sign that those two guys may be out the door. Um, and the reason why I wouldn't say early, you wouldn't take a corner early because – some of the early corners in the draft, the Certains, the the J.C. Horns, those guys um, are would be your de facto starter opposite AJ Terrell, which means you would have to kick either Moreau on the inside, which is not a strong suit, and I we should never see Fabian Moreau play slot corner. If he does, we are in some trouble. Um, right, <laughs> it's, it's going to look ugly. Um, But I think that it's it's more of a sign that they're probably just going to wait to probably day three to take a corner to fill the back end of the death on that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see them take this signing over a guy like Malcolm Butler, who a lot of people um, assumed was going to be a Falcon at some point. Um, I'm still kind of. a little upset, even though I know financially <laughs> it wasn't gonna work out. Still a little upset that they, you know, didn't go after Dory Jackson. Who I right,
1: that was. ended up being a huge deal. That's so way I, more than I thought. Yeah, yeah, I didn't
2: think he was gonna get that type of money, but Jesus, I take it. Hey, New York offers it, take it. I see it. But I thought he would have been a hell of a signing, and I thought that would have been a great pairing at corner going forward. But you know, again, Fabian Moreau, um, they could have done a lot worse. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, a lot worse. This guy is a he he fits the athletic profile of today's game. His issues were, you know, his development was a little slower than expected for a third, right. round, for a third round corner that, you know, was 200 plus pounds, ran a four or three. He didn't develop as quick as Washington wanted him to. And he ended up getting lost in the shuffle because over the years, they ended up signing Josh Norman. Right. Um, right. Remember, remember last year they bought in Quentin Dunbar mm-hmm. and it, it just created a log jam for him. So I, like I said, if a game was tomorrow, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Moreau was the starter opposite.
1: <laughs> right. Because right now it's what, like AJ on one side, Moreau on the other, and Oliver in the slot. That's probably Already your three corners. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So It's wild. Uh, so like I said, I think if they're going to go a corner, it's probably going to be day three now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know that it really moves the needle that much. I mean, it probably depends more on like who's available. But I think with all these signings, and we're going to obviously get to all of them and I think the theme that I'm getting is, like, these are all signings designed to make it so, like, they don't have to draft X position in no. X round or they're just going to, like, fall apart. Like, they
2: no.
1: with this signing, you know, that kind of means, like, okay, we could get by with this corner group and, like, a day three addition. You know, yeah. with the the two outside linebacker edge guys, like, now we could get through with, like, a, you know, a a, a day two pick there. It doesn't have to be the first round pick, you okay. know. Okay, yeah. Um, I would
2: know, I will, I will want them to take an edge on day two or something. Oh, they definitely need to still take exactly. an edge
1: on day two. But, <laughs> um, you know, the Eric Harris signing means you only need to fill one safety spot, Um, you know, through like a higher draft pick, someone who needs to be an instant starter. Um, You know, and so on and so forth. You know, Lee Smith means you don't have to draft a blocking tight end or add another blocking tight end. Uh, Mike Davis means that you don't have to take Najee Harris. I'm sorry for all of you that want Najee Harris. Like, you don't have to get this... Top tier running back prospects, You can get a more developmental guy if you need Gono, to. So Gono
2: Gono crosses out a swing yep. tackle possibility. Yeah, you, you got your you got your swing tackle in place there with him. So
1: yep, yep, yeah. I think it's funny actually. Gono being brought back because we didn't get to discuss that either. His second round tender. I think his second round tender is actually the biggest cap hit in terms of what they've signed this off season. Mm-hmm. Yes. His like three point million dollar really? second round tender is actually the most money they've paid out in a single contract in free agency so far. Yeah. Because I think Mike Davis is only a 2 million cap at this year. Uh, yeah. if I did my math right, so very,
2: very underrated, so underrated. Signing. Yes,
1: of course. Oh. Um, but it's just funny that, that Gono's like tender is going to be like, quote unquote, the biggest signing so far. The guy but, um, never
2: got playing time in three years. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do like Moreau. He's definitely a better player outside. Um, you know, I have some friends that are Washington fans, and they've been very clear that he was kind of a disaster as a slot corner. But on the outside, he was fine. Um, you know, he's he's not a finished product still, but the athletic profile is awesome. I mean, this is a guy that has a lot of upside because of that. And like Eric, meant, like Eric mentioned, you know, it's very young still, uh, Moreau is, so... Lots of opportunity there for for development. Um,
2: I, I didn't see I didn't see one Washington writer that was, and I know several, but I didn't see one Washington writer that was, you know, good redens or glad he's gone. Right. It was more like, okay, he's you know he's a solid kid. You know, a lot of writers thought that the that Washington was going to bring him back, but he didn't. So, um, so yeah, so there it was is nothing. It's been nothing negative that I've seen from Moro right now so far. Right. His his development is probably a little slower than expected.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, that happens sometimes. It, it does. It, yeah. It, I mean players don't always go as, as great. It may as... be a,
2: it may be a scheme thing. And I guarantee you that the switch when they cause he you know, he did go because of course he played he played boundary at UCLA. He played, you know, he was for a couple of years, you know, he was the top corner on their roster at UCLA for a while. And you know, I guess You know often the whole switching from an outside corner to slot it may sound simple Mm -hmm. man for some players it takes it takes a while to get used to those type of duties and I think that was his case to where he was probably developing developing you know decently on the outside and they were like hey we need you to get some slot duty and it's slow down yeah. the because now it's very wrong. different. Yeah. A lot of people it's just assume different. that it's similar, but the footwork is
1: different. It oh, like, wow. especially in, in Atlanta's cover three, like those outside corners are basically playing like bail coverage. Like they're, they're, right. you know, they're got, they have to take the vertical routes and they have to like, you know, turn and run and do all this stuff. And that slot corner has to basically play like a kind of zone. Like he has to stare at the quarterback. He's got to watch the, the routes in the middle um, like it's a very different role, and it isn't a lot of different coverage schemes. Yeah. Not just coverage three, but
2: it's a lot of more you know characteristics is asked for a slot corner. I mean, you're going to mm-hmm. have for it when when it comes to being a slot corner. Think about it. You know, in today's game, is you know no longer are you covering the the Julian Edelman's of the, of the the Danny Amendolas of the slot. Now you're getting Julio Jones in the slot. Now you're getting you know DeAndre Hopkins in the slot. Now you're getting. Chris Godwin's in the slot, so it's different now. So now you have to prepare for the small receivers, but you also have to, you know, prepare for the the 225 hundred twenty five pound guys. So your your footwork has to be different. Your instincts have to be on point because at times, as a slot corner, you're running through traffic. You're running through mm-hmm. a lot more traffic than you are as a boundary corner, like you said. Playing bail. he's been playing bail responsibilities. All he has to do is drift back ten yards. And just, and just play what's underneath them compared to a slot corner where you guys got to anticipate a route. You may have to run. You definitely have to pick up a lot more on pick routes as a slot corner. So it changes a lot. The responsibilities are a lot different um, for a guy in the slot. And I think that's probably what hurt him when it came to him finding some refinement.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to running back Mike Davis. That was the other recent big signing. Maybe the most meaningful in terms of who's going to actually end up playing like the most snaps. Like Mike Davis could, there could easily be a scenario where Mike Davis is the nominal starter going into week one at running back. Davis had his best chance, I would say, as a starter last year with Carolina after Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Um, Wasn't like a tremendous player in terms of like yards per carry or anything like that, but... Did produce just fine behind what was a fairly shaky Carolina offensive line. Um, You know, he's not necessarily going to have a much better offensive line situation in Atlanta. You know, we'll see what happens. But um, big time, you know, one of the biggest signings, two-year deal for Davis. um, Surprisingly low number of career carries. So this is not a guy who's been, like, ground down by other teams and the Falcons are kind of getting uh, nothing that's left, a.k.a. Todd Gurley. But, um, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I had to throw that one in there. But uh, yeah, I mean, what do you, what are your guys' thoughts, Evan? Did you have any thoughts on that Mike Davis signing? How does that one uh, feel for you, Evan, my brother? No, he said he was trying to fix his mic. I might have like called him out too soon. All right, we'll let Eric get the first crack at this one. So yeah, um, what's what's your thoughts on Mike Davis there? I'm, I'm
2: I'm good with it, man. I really do. You know, I, and I know a lot of fans were zeroed in on Najee or Travis. ETN early on in the draft. Um, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't change the fact that they're still going to take a running back. They're still going to take one probably round two at the earliest, mm-hmm. um, round four at the latest. Yeah. Um, maybe five, depending on how the draft shakes out. But um, I, I I think it's a very underrated signing. Yeah, getting, yeah. You know, they signed them for two years. And, and of course, that two year deal helps them cap wise this year, of course, because mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. have to. Um, shovel out, you know, a, a ton of money for, for him up front. Right. He basically just spread it out over two years. But, you know, he had over a thousand scrimmage yards last year had almost five yards a touch last year. had 52 catches, uh, which is for a backup running back. That's damn good, man. Mm-hmm. Um, eight yeah. total touchdowns last year, you know, and like you mentioned, he's been in the league for about five or six years, but the guy has a career total of 412 carries. Which yeah. Means he's still fresh he has plenty of tread he just turned 28 about a month ago um, so the guy he's he still has you know some miles on him um, and again I like the signing you go back to both games against the Panthers last year Mike Davis was able to make a few plays here and there Mike Davis was Mike Davis is, is tough to tackle first and foremost um, I know he's short I know he's stocky but you don't want to tackle him No, no, especially in the fourth quarter when you're tired, um, which is the first game against Carolina at home. That's when you saw Mike Davis truly eat up that defense in the fourth quarter when that that defense was gassed and he was just pounding the rock for six, seven yards per carry. Um, I think uh, I can't remember who tossed out the stat in our group chat, but they mentioned that he was 14th in the league in uh, yards after contact. Yeah. Um, across the entire NFL, which is really mm-hmm. good, again, for a backup running back. um, But I, I like the signing, and yeah. I, I think this is going to – it's cheap.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like $2 million cap hit this year, I think. So, right.
2: and, and like you said, he's – let's be honest, man. He's better than Todd Gurley right now. <laughs> like,
1: yeah what did talk i think todd Gurley um, averaged 3.7 uh yards he, for carry last
2: year so <laughs> he's better than Gurley right now mike yeah. davis is probably the best running back on the roster right now um,
1: yeah i mean probably you would hope so based on what they paid him i mean which right, still wasn't a a right. I,
2: I think i think they're going to go with a you know one a one b type tandem um with whoever they get in the draft i would think guys like etn uh kenneth gainwell um Michael Carter, yeah. uh, those guys um, compliment him very well. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and those are the type of guys that I would keep an eye on uh, in the draft. Kyle, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State is another one that comes to mind. Uh, but, yeah, so it, it doesn't – they're still going to take a back. Don't, don't don't think this guy is the starter, the clear starter. He's the leader. Like, no, they're still going to take somebody. It's just probably not going to be Najee Harris. now.
1: Right, right, Yeah. Evan I saw that you reconnected are you are you there?
2: Yeah, can you
0: hear me? I can. Yes. We can now. Okay, yes. perfect. So yeah, I, you? It's okay. I, was, I thought I was muted and then I'm like, oh, my earbuds are dead. So that Oh helps. my god. Yeah,
1: well um, that that would be a problem. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's you know, he's on the phone constantly.
0: Yeah,
1: I understand. Yeah, those earbuds just go out, you know. But yeah, did you have a take on that Mike Davis signing it? Um
0: I l- really liked it uh Uh, If you've been watching the show a while, you've probably heard me and Eric have talked about him before, um, like talking about free agents, you know, upcoming free agency and stuff. And he was always someone I was mentioning just because I thought the fit worked well to where he's not a guy who would be super expensive. And obviously that showed um, in the contract. Uh, I think you read the contract details. Um, I think it's two years for 5 million, which to me is like a pretty damn good deal. Um, And he's not, like old and has has a ton of you know tread on the tires still um I really like the move and he's a guy where at you know you can still as Eric said draft a running back but if you don't and you kind of punt it to next year like he's a guy who can still like you're still going to probably sign somebody if you don't draft anyone late but he can be a guy who can start for the next year or two um in the offense that you know Arthur Smith's going to bring here and you'll be okay. Uh, he's not a long term fit. I don't think anybody should you know think he's going to come in and be you know the second coming of Michael Turner like a bruising back who's just you know one of the best in franchise history. but I really like the move. I don't it, it's gonna be much I'll put it this way. it's gonna be a much better uh, signing, I think than what we got from Todd Gurley last year where. It was more about the name value and um, what he did in the past where Mike Davis, he's been on other teams. He's played kind of the backup role where he would come in on like in Seattle and San Francisco uh, if their starter was down, that kind of thing. Now he's getting mm-hmm. a chance to shine and he's from Atlanta. So I'm sure that kind of played into the deal a little bit where he probably wanted to be with us. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I, that's so far my favorite signing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. It is. I think it's one of the more exciting ones and I think it's one that makes a ton of sense. And for the reasons you mentioned as well, like I don't think it takes running back off the board. Yeah. George Costanza knows I read his donation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely did read it, George. We're going to get to it. But uh, yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I like the signing a lot. And again, like we said with the Moreau signing, I think this gives them more flexibility to be like, we don't have to come away from day two with a running back because we have you know Mike Davis and Ito Smith not a backfield that's necessarily like terrifying teams but it's a functional one um this is like this is a guy that averaged 4.6 yards per carry in Seattle in his best season he's capable of that i think um, in a better scheme with hopefully a better offensive line in Atlanta this year he could be a perfectly serviceable starting running back um I think it would be best to add another player. And we're going to talk about that later in the show. And we've got our, our draft guy coming on. We'll talk about some of those options. We know that the Falcons for, for instance, were very interested in Kenneth Gainwell. They've spoken with him. I think that would be a perfect pairing. Gainwell's a guy you can get in the third round. Um, and you know, that would be, I think an excellent pairing there. So, Very excited about that signing. I think it it gives them a lot of flexibility, which is good when you have a bunch of needs because you never know who's going to be there at your pick and you want to be able to take the highest player on your board remaining and not be forced into one maneuver or another. Um, All right. Speaking of George, we got a $3 donation from George. Uh, Thank you, brother, for your support. Uh, He says, you know why I'm here. It's because Kyle Pitts is always going to be the pick. He says, though, he wouldn't hate Sertan. His father was a great corner. Pedigree means a lot in the NFL. I think Pitts would help us in the red zone where we completely sucked. Weren't we like 27th in the NFL in red zone percentage or something? Yeah, I think they were exactly 27th. Maybe 28th. It was bad. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to talk about Pitts later in the show. That that potential selection for Atlanta has picked up a lot of steam recently. So, George, we will be definitely talking about Pitts and uh, the draft portion of the show. Um, all right, next couple signings. Let's talk, uh, let's talk about, uh, the edge guys. They added, uh, Brandon Copeland and Barkevius Mingo. To me, these guys, you know, neither one huge additions. Both are quality players. Both can be spot starters, but they're not really moving the needle for you. I mean, to me, these are kind of like the Steven means Charles Harris replacements. Um, yep. they're just better for like a three, four, like they're three, the yep. three, four version of those players, basically. Yep. Um, that's
2: a perfect, yep that's a perfect summation.
1: Yeah. And like, they're both solid guys. Like they're going to be able to, you know, be your third and fourth edge rushers. They're going to be able to rotate. Mingo's had kind of a career resurgence, as like a special teamer, you know, he's super athletic, so he's played well there. Um, neither one's going to be like a five to 10 sec player, but you know, two to four each, not out of the realm of possibility. And, um, you know, the Falcons have coaching staff connections to these players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, did, what do you guys think about those two additions?
2: Uh, you got to uh, – a lot of – one thing that I saw, I mean, you got to uh, – the fans got to understand um, just because a player is signed at a certain time in free agency doesn't necessarily mean he's a starter. Right. He's going to get considerable playing time or that he's the answer at edge or whatever. Like, that doesn't – you got to look at the whole body of work for these guys and, and what they're being brought in on as far as financial terms. Like – I immediately, once Copeland was signed and Mingo was signed, those are, those are depth signings. Those are guys mm-hmm. that are bottom, you know, bottom of the group when it comes to edge, probably more special teams contributors than anything else. So I don't I, I saw people panic once Mingo was signed and saying, oh, he's the starter opposite. <laughs> and the pro, he's not going to start.
1: As you he, I mean, at
2: this point, he might be, but you know, it's it's probably
1: Jacob Twitty Mariner is the other starter at this point. But
2: he I, I, is to me is going to be not I, neither one of those guys are guaranteed to make the roster. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, they're not guaranteed. No, I mean, it's no like and again, I I guess some fans felt that they were, you know, they're going to be in the rotation. Like these guys may get cut in training camp. Man, let's just be honest with you. I mean, um, but they desperately needed
1: people like they needed guys they 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 had nothing yeah
2: like you said these were the steven means and charles harris replacements yes they're both were just smaller and a little bit more athletic than the two of those to play edge um it doesn't it doesn't change anything this they're probably will have a new edge starter by the end of round three in the yeah, I would think so. Um, there's a there's, there's so many good
1: edge players in that round two, oh, round three. Like there's they're just there's no way they don't get one in that yeah, range. You're
2: not gonna sit here and tell me they're gonna sign Mingo and pass on <laughs> the top half of the edge class. This edge class at the top half at least is deep. Okay, yeah, I will say that. Yeah. it is really deep. I think you can find a considerable rotational player in the sixth round, but at the top half of it, man, you can get some good juice there, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, I think yeah, so.
2: They're they're not gonna pass that up for kiki mingo this is yes yeah,
1: yeah no and i i think both like i think you know look brandon copeland solid player i mean i think his best season he did have like what six sacks or seven yeah, sacks you know five sacks yeah yeah i mean like so he's he's someone who can rotate you know he's a solid run defender mingo always has had the potential to be great he just never has so like neither one's gonna be more than like the edge rusher three more than likely but um you know, I, I think the the most likely starter opposite Fowler is probably Jacob Twyty Mariner, and then a draft pick. That's probably your top three edge rushers. We'll see. You know, maybe it's oh. Hamilcar Rashid, maybe it's Carlos Basham. I mean, who knows? But
2: I, w- I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, just based on the signings that we've seen on defense. Um, they have nine picks, and I, you know, there's a there's a decent chance that they're probably going to walk away with a dozen players at the trades. In the draft, <laughs> maybe I, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they take two edge rushers in the draft. I mean, just no, based
1: we based we've mocked based it based before. Thing. I think, yeah,
2: yeah, just based on the signings that we've seen so far, like these signings are, these are depth signings that I how I'm looking at it, and I don't, it it leaves plenty of room for them to draft the starters before these depth guys, before mm-hmm. these guys, like they I they haven't to me. Eric Harris was a was a decent signing, but I don't even think Eric Harris is a starter right now. And a lot of people already claim that he's the starter. <laughs> well, he's
1: all. like the default starter right now, he's but that doesn't mean starter. he's the final starter.
2: But. Right. But i I guarantee you they're probably going to draft a free safety and let the two of them battle out in training camp, or whoever wins wins. But yeah, yeah, just just based on the signings that we've seen so far, I, these I, they're filling in the back part of the depth chart with these signings, which tells me they're probably going to draft starters at those positions. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, speaking of Eric Harris, that's the other big one. I mean, right now he, I don't know. I mean, he's probably slated in as the strong safety starter at this point, but he's going to compete with Jalen Hawkins there. But like at free safety, like I just, they have to add someone in the draft. Like they just don't really have anyone. So like, yeah, they
2: don't have anybody. Yeah. So,
1: Richie Grant, Trayvon Morig, I mean, uh Javon Holland. I mean, there's so many day two safeties and, and, that and, they're gonna get one.
2: So. and uh Harris, Harris has played free safety, he played free safety for the Raiders uh last year. Um I can tell you right now, that's not his best position. <laughs> yeah, he's a better strong. He's like two hundred
1: and twenty-five pads, he's like the same size as Dion.
2: <laughs> he's better he's better closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. Um but Again, some people were upset about the signing, and I'm saying, well, at the time that the signing was made, they literally had no... It was Jalen Hawkins. Yeah. No safety on the roster. They had one safety. And I'm like, guys, like, seriously, they're not going to draft five safeties. They're going to have to sign some bets just to fill out the depth portion of it. Yeah. They had nobody. So um, we'll we'll see going forward. The thing is, when it comes to the safety class it is a much better free safety class than a strong safety class. Right. If you're going to target a strong safety, you better do it early because there's not much depth behind that. There's one guy that come to mind, uh, Hamza, Hamza Nazrodine out of Florida State. Yeah. 6'4", 225. A real versatile chess piece when it comes to being a defender. Um, and, and I wouldn't mind him being... The weak one starter at strong safety, to be honest with you. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they need to they need to get their their single high safety early. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy. Here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut
3: What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: Man, Metamorpho, new donor with the $35, brother. I think that's a new record. Uh Oh, thank George. you so much man he Says, uh, oh, He t- no. well George has donated far more over time you know George likes to get the takes out and I respect that but yes Metamorpho says NorCal Falcon Diehard Meta thank you so much for your support welcome to the thank show you. Uh, thank you again for that brother um,
0: yeah thanks thanks a lot man we really appreciate that
1: um, yeah Evan did you have a take on the Eric Harris signing anything like that
0: uh, I, no I mean there's not much more to add that Eric kind of touched on um, I don't I I think overall, most of these signings, as Eric said, they're just guys that are filling out depth and they don't prevent you from drafting at any of those positions. Even at running back, I think that's still not going to prevent them from doing it. It was such a cheap deal. Um, So, yeah, I mean, necessary moves overall.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Let's see. What was another? I think I I think we've covered everyone except maybe the
0: Lee Smith trade. Yeah, we haven't talked about the Lee Smith trade. I know
1: I know a lot of people. Lee Smith did a video today, uh, an interview where he was talking about coming to the Falcons. So uh, let's talk about the Lee Smith trade. That one was very interesting because you know Lee Smith, not exactly a household name at tight end, but. If you dig a little deeper, you know, he's been one of the most consistent, respected blocking tight ends in the league. We know how much Arthur Smith values tight ends, particularly as blockers, not just as receivers. Um, so, you know, with the knowledge, you know, Lee Smith said he was going to retire um, if he didn't get traded to someplace that he really wanted. Um, apparently, he uh, Atlanta was on his short list of teams that he wanted to go to because of Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank um so yeah what do you guys think about that lee smith edition uh better than luke stalker i'll say
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: by default yeah
2: then <laughs> it cost them a seventh round pick in 2022 which yeah. none of us are going to care about let's know not- it's actually <laughs>
1: better it helps we don't have to waste our time mocking it so
2: let's not let's not yeah let's not <laughs> pretend like oh my god they traded away no none of us care about the seventh round pick and he's a real as kevin said he's a really
0: good blocking tight end he's going to be in i imagine on you know field goals and stuff like that it's a necessary piece you know yeah yeah and i mean like
1: he's been a a reliable receiver if not one who's caught a lot of passes you know i think he's caught what like 90 percent of his targets or something like that um you know, he, he had two touchdowns last year. He's just, he's like a reliable outlet. He's not someone who's going to be a volume receiver certainly, but he's someone that can catch a pass if needed. Um, and right, uh, let's yeah. be
4: honest. Let's be honest. That, that <laughs> was a completely boring, boring move. And what it's not you, exciting to talk about.
1: No respect. For not, Lee Smith. No, no,
4: no disrespect to Lee Smith. My favorite part about that is, uh, it's going to shave about twenty minutes off of our mock draft next, <laughs> next year. Exactly. When we don't have to argue over uh, who we're going to take in the seventh round. Yes.
1: Which obscure punter slash kicker <laughs> will be the selection? Tune in next year to find out,
2: folks. Yeah, man. Um, that got that was weird. People <laughs> complaining about using draft capital. You know? It's a seventh round pick, man. Like, can anyone for name a proven veteran? Pick, yeah. Can anyone name a seventh round pick that's actually made the roster for the Falcons in the last? uh game? Kamal, Kamal Ishmael. Ishmael. Yeah,
1: Kamal that's Ishmael's it. like the one. What well, Zeke it. Mata, right? Zeke that's Mata it. made it
2: for like a. Over year, the last, right? over the last, what, ten or fifteen years, it's like one or two guys. Like, come yeah. on, man, you don't care
4: about yeah, that. And don't disrespect the UCF legend. Yes. Well, and <laughs> UCF. got that one on. pick against the Bucks on Thursday night. Um I think in 2014 when mm-hmm. we beat them like tw- 58 to like negative a million.
1: Oh yeah that was a great game but yeah as you have joined us now uh non uh he is at say which way on twitter by the way folks uh i any, just
4: pop in and out guys
1: yeah uh anything that you wanted to add about we talked we've talked about all the fridges at this point before you got here but is there did you want him to add anything about any of the ones that stood out to you
4: um i like the fabian Moreau one because i think we got him i think he's for the minimum and uh his coverage grade last year, according to PFF was bigger than any of our, uh, DBs. (laughs) So
1: yeah, they disrespected AJ Terrell a lot towards the end of the season.
4: uh, uh, Other than Keanu Neal, Keanu Neal, uh, who's no longer on the roster was the only defensive back with a higher coverage grade than Fabian Moreau in, uh, 2020, according to PFF. So it's a nice, cheap signing who I think will probably start unless we, uh, get a cornerback on one of the first two days of the draft, which I don't think we'll do.
1: Yeah, it's seeming less likely there, just because of unlike the spectrum of needs, uh cornerback is lower because they do have AJ Terrell, and like at free safety they have you know nothing. uh So like it's if they don't trade down, they're going to have a hard time taking a cornerback before day three. Um, Now, they could trade Dan. and we'll be talking about that, obviously, throughout the remainder of the offseason. But um, I just think that, you know, I I like the Moreau signing. I like his fit on the outside next to AJ Terrell, and I like Isaiah Oliver a lot better as a slot quarter. So (laughs) I think that really, you know, makes it work on a lot of fronts, and then maybe we can, you know, add... A quality depth piece on on day three. I mean, my knowledge of day three corners is pretty limited at this point, but uh, that's why we're having a draft guy come on uh, soon. So,
2: (laughs) but But uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's some guys on day three that they can go after that I I think would be uh, pretty good. Select these. Um, So, like Adam pointed out, you know, this is it's a good signing uh, because it gives the team um, a, a, a you know. Possible starter, um, for a very cheap price tag and less than a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Was it so the terms were released? I didn't, I didn't see them. I I thought
4: I saw something about it being a minimum, but I'm okay. I could be completely wrong, but if I mean that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. If it's not minimum, it's probably damn near close. If we're being honest,
1: I mean they couldn't afford much more than that. Um, yeah, I. So my,
4: my apologies if it's like. 4 500k more. Uh you guys can uh <laughs> you guys can bring forth your complaints to uh, at the Falcoholic. Yes, on at
1: the Falcoholic. Um yeah, and George with the $1 wants to know what you're drinking tonight odd oh, on.
4: Um ginger ale.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, nice. Very nice. Yeah. I do see your other donation George too. We'll get to that in just a second. Um but yeah, I mean, speaking of with that with that Fabian Moreau signing, the Falcons are officially at 51 players and you guys know what that means it's top 51 rule time which means any future signings are reduced essentially by 660k um because when the top 51 rules in effect any contracts that are lower than the 51st contract in terms of cost do not count against the salary cap at all so that is uh, a good thing for a team that's as cash-strapped as the Falcons, because my estimate was the Falcons probably had about one and a half million, give or take a couple hundred thousand, after the Mike Davis signing. So with this Moreau signing, if it is like the six hundred sixty K number that I mentioned, they're probably at around eight hundred thousand. Um, but because of the top fifty-one rule, if they sign true vet minimum players that are less than six hundred sixty thousand or equivalent to that. They don't count against the cap at all, so they could start loading up on guys that are, you know, essentially these very cheap contracts without having to shell out uh, any money according to the salary cap. Now, they're going to have to clear more space for the draft class, probably $7 million, give or take, um, but they can now sign some more depth lower-end players without needing a ton of cap space to fill out the roster because they're basically at the full roster status now, so important to note uh, for the purposes of small signings going forward, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's wild. Uh, because what like last time we were on the show, it was like, all right, they have like thirty nine players on the, on the roster. How are they going to get to fifty? You know, fifty yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how, how are they going to get there? You know, without draft picks, like how much money? And they've done it by basically spending very very little on individual contracts and.
2: Terry Fontenot, man.
1: Yeah, you know the laser eyes Fontenot picture is the best one, but uh, (laughs) cooking something up. He's cooking Cooking something something up. up.
2: Yeah, I I did. I did say that you know based on based on how free agency period has played out for him, like this draft does, like it it has to be a home run. (laughs) Yeah, and I but I think what they've allowed themselves to do. With these free agent signings, like you mentioned, they got the 51 players. I think this allows them to really go after not only, you know, top talent, but honestly get a number of starters in the draft. Like they're not they don't have to draft for depth, basically, is what I'm saying. Like they can, you know, fourth round, fifth round. They can still try to look for starters in that round because of what they did in free agency.
0: Um, How many starters would be a home run to you? Or like, what's your definition of a home run? Oh, if you can,
2: it, to me, I've always felt if you can get at least three reliable starters out of a draft. I want three
1: starters. I, I want four starters. Yeah. <laughs> if, you it,
2: if you can get at least three starters out of a draft class, then I think it's a, it's, it's a solid one at, at minimum. Um, you go back to the 2016 class, they pulled four on defense, right? Keanu Grady, Debo. Uh, Grady
4: was in twenty sixteen. Grady was the year 15, before, yeah. but they they did give Pool as a, Poole as a, a UDFA, right. and Austin Hooper was uh, an offensive starter. So they got three on defense and Austin and Hooper. And Austin if Hooper. you count Pool, yeah,
2: yeah, I do. Yeah, UDFA's absolutely count. They should at count double. So yeah, so at a minimum, <laughs> at a minimum, three starters to me will make yeah. a, a great draft class.
1: Yeah. I'd hope it's more, but like, I also kind of am like quasi penciling in a quarterback for one of the picks. So it's like, you're not expecting if it is a quarterback at four for that pick number starter. four. Yes. Yeah. So you're not expecting that to be a starter if that's the case. Um, So that, you know, makes it a little bit harder because you're gonna have to get a starter with a later pick, but uh, I still think it's possible. Um, All right. Before we get our draft guy in here, I do want to, uh, did you I did I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely. Oh,
4: do. don't we have a, a donation from George?
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. I got, I got to get to George here. Um, so he says, uh, there he is. Yeah. So, how to win? Get touchdowns in the red zone. Stop the other team from getting touchdowns in the red zone. Hence, Sertain and Pitts are the choices for me. Pitts helps the offense. Certain is a very big quarter that blankets the number one red get zone option. Most yeah we can't take both it's gonna be one or the other did you can't check out larry more. roundtree i have checked him out a little bit we'll probably talk about him with with our draft guy who is here so let me get him in now hey nathan what's up man
3: hey guys how's it going
1: good good uh welcome to the show nathan cooper he is at n draft on twitter he is at sports info solutions uh Nathan, what exactly is it that you do over there? I think you said you're a scout as well as an analyst.
3: Yeah, actually, I'm an operations associate. Um, This is my fifth year there. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we're a charting company. We chart, uh, you know, all the NFL games, all of the FBS college football games. Um, So we're we're charting the data such as, you know, the route types, the run types, coverages, who's on the field, snap to throw times, all these things. Uh, That's just a few of the hundreds of, of data points that we collect. Um, We started as a baseball company, actually, in the early 2000s, got started in football in 2015 and actually got started up in basketball last year. Um, So starting starting to grow a little bit there. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of kind of what we do. We've started to evolve a little bit more into the scouting side of things. And that's where the football rookie handbook comes in. Um, Started that in. Yeah, started that in 2019. This is our third edition. Um, even though we're a stats and analytics company, we wanted to kind of expand uh, and combine the scouting aspect with the stats. Um, you know, I really feel like the stats tell you a lot, um, but not everything. The, the film tells you a lot, but not everything as well. So being able to have both of them uh, and use them together can kind of really help you give the players picture on uh, you know, possible on a player.
1: Very cool. Yeah. And I'm going to, by the way, for that rookie handbook guys, if you're interested, I'm going to add the links to both the digital and hard copies of that to the show description. So if you guys are interested in checking that out, you can find it in the show description in just a minute. I'll update that. But yeah, uh, Nathan, I know we have some draft related questions for you. The big one on everyone's mind, obviously for the Falcons is at fourth overall. Uh quarterback is at the top of people's lists, even though Matt Ryan was restructured. So in your mind, is there a particular uh, quarterback that you would be circling for the Falcons at four?
3: I mean, I think a lot of the guys, you know, that you're looking in that area, I think, you know, let's, let's Mark Lawrence off the, off the list here. He's going number one. I think you could arguably say, you know, fields, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Those are your three guys that are in contention for that fourth pick. Uh, you know, they bring a little bit of different, uh, you know, traits and abilities. I think Justin Fields is probably the most talented of the group uh, overall, uh, you know, of these three guys uh, led our handbook quarterbacks in total, you know, rushing total points per game, uh, wide margin there has every physical tool required of top level uh, NFL quarterback, excellent athlete against all competition, good playmaking, play playmaking ability has the arm strength to make every throw does a lot of good things there. Um, Zach Wilson, fun guy to watch, obviously. Uh, has a great arm, throws a good deep ball, you know, really good on third down, clutch situations. Has a little bit of that Johnny Manziel vibe to him, that gunslinger mentality. Uh, the one big thing there, didn't play much of a schedule this year. Uh, even look back, looking back at previous seasons, uh, when he faced the top competition, didn't fare that well. Uh, so there are, are, you know, a few concerns with him, uh, but he's got the tools. He's he's a fun guy to watch for sure. Uh, and then the last one, Trey Lance. Um, you know, not exactly the play style as uh, Josh Allen, but if you look at some of the things there, there's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, if you're, you know, look at coming out, Josh Allen didn't play or start that many games, had a really low completion percentage in college. Um, great athlete, good mobility, big arm. And that's a lot of the same stuff that you can say about Lance as well. Only started 17 games and even at an FCS school as well. Uh, completion percentage on target rate were good, but not great. But you look at the athleticism, it's there. He runs well, works the pocket well, extends plays. Uh, and has a strong arm, makes all the throws. Uh, if I'm guessing on how the draft is going to play out, I think Lance is going to be the one that's available at four. Um, but if all three are, I think I'm going to choose Fields.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I also agree with the fact that it's probably going to be Lance as the one left over at four. Do you think he is worth that fourth overall pick in your mind?
3: Yeah, Lance is a is an interesting study. Um, I watched nine games of him, uh, you know, between 2019 and 2020. Um, There's a lot to like, but then there's a lot of things that that make you wonder a little bit. Um, A lot of frustrating things whenever you watch him, but you look at the talent, the talents there. Um, He has a lot of the tools and traits that you can really develop and work with. Uh, And, you know, being able to get into a situation where he's going to be able to sit behind Matt Ryan for a couple of years, I think is huge for him. I don't think Lance is a guy that should come out and start right away. So I think this would be a good position for him. Uh, to kind of learn it and sit there for a couple of years, but I think you know the, what Lance brings. Uh, I think that's worthy of the fourth pick. Um, but he's one of those guys has a high ceiling, but kind of a low floor as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Eric, did you have any, any any anyone else is welcome to jump in with their own questions if they have them too. But
4: uh... um, I had uh, a question just regarding. Let's take away the uh, top five and let's assume uh, the four that you just mentioned and Mag Jones are in the top five. Are there any other quarterbacks past those five, whom you can see potentially starting at the next level that a team would be fortunate to get after the first round?
3: Yeah, two guys that I kind of like, um, you know, in that the mid to late round area. Uh, Davis Mills at a Stanford. Um, I would have liked to see a full season from him uh, at Stanford, but the talent's there. Throws a catchable ball, puts it where it needs to be, has enough mobility to kind of work the pocket and gain a few yards is needed as well. Um, needs to work on the overall decision-making and the anticipation, uh, but I like what he brings, um, a good guy that you can develop. Uh, and another guy, Jamie Newman, um, you know, should have been playing in Georgia this year. Another guy that was hampered due to COVID, opted out of 2020, um, but a guy that has a strong arm, throws a catchable ball, um, but the accuracy is a little concerning with him. He doesn't throw uh, you know, on target as well as some of these other guys, uh, but does a good job working in the field, extends plays, can be threat as a runner. Um, those are two guys that I think, um, could be guys that can kind of come in, develop a little bit, uh, and be at least, uh, you know, a circumstantial starter at the next level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like both those guys. What's your, what are your thoughts on uh, Kellen Mond as well? I know he's a popular name among some fans.
3: Yeah. Mond's another guy. Uh, you know, I thought about him as well. Uh, definitely a good athlete, tall, lanky frame, um, you know, quick release, uh, you know, definitely some things that you need to work with, uh, with him, but another guy that's a good athlete can run the ball, can extend plays. Uh, and I think he's another developmental guy that we kind of have in that same mix, uh, in that area as well, that I think he can come in, uh, you know, learn, uh, the NFL system and kind of develop into a, a, at least maybe, uh, you know, a circumstantial guy or a solid backup.
1: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Those all three of the guys you mentioned, I think are possible mid round options, but I know it's like, for me. If I'm the Falcons, like if they don't take one at four, I just like it's hard to slot one in in like a mock draft in those mid rounds because those picks are so needed for other positions. And um, there's a lot of positions they need. But speaking again of fourth overall, um, are there really any defensive players that you would consider worth the fourth overall pick. I know some have mentioned like Micah Parsons, Caleb Farley was one for me with the medical stuff. You know, maybe that's off the table for some teams. But who who would be a defensive guys you would consider that high in the draft?
3: Yeah, that one's tough. Uh, I don't think there are any play like defensive players worthy of going at number four. Um, our highest graded defensive player is Patrick Sertan out of Alabama, um, but I still think he's more of that back end of the of the uh, top ten. Um, you know, maybe a trade back. I can see that, um, the guys you mentioned, Caleb Farley, uh, Micah Parsons in that area. Um, obviously a JC Horn, something like that. Uh, I think those are all guys worth considering, but I think at four it's probably a little too rich for me to, to want to go with any of these defensive guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that because like, and I know a lot of fans, you know, a lot of fans believe that the Falcons biggest weakness is the defense and it is, uh, but I, that's just kind of they're in a bad spot to need a defensive playmaker because at four, it's just you're reaching, um, in, in my opinion. So I I, I agree with your yep. take there. Um, yeah, any of you guys have other questions uh, here? Yeah, go ahead.
4: Um, I was just going to ask because there is a, a subsection of the fan base who has the mentality of let's, the Falcons need to forego taking a quarterback this year and, you know, look at that position next year. I was wondering if you could touch on the quarterback class for next season because, you know, from all intents and purposes, what we're seeing is it's not as strong as this this year's quarterback class. But what exactly – how much of a difference or a drop-off is there between the QB class next year versus this year if there is one?
3: Um, we haven't started looking at next year too much, but obviously the guys you're, you're kind of looking at, the Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler – uh, those kind of guys are probably the top guys that you're you're wanting to look at there. Uh, you know, guys that are are solid. How you know, good job extending plays, makes a lot of plays, can throw a good ball. Um, did a lot for that North Carolina offense. Uh, and then Rattler, what he did towards the end of the season at Oklahoma. Um, you know, he started playing really well there. Uh, you know, we'll start doing more of our uh, you know research for next year's class here in the next couple of months. Uh, overall, you know, I'd say this year's quarterback class is pretty solid at the top and then it drops off pretty hard, uh, towards the bottom. Um, next year I could see, you know, there being a couple of guys, uh, at the top, you know, pretty similar, but maybe a little bit more depth, uh, or more options throughout the draft next year. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for coming on Nathan. Um, Absolutely. is there any players, obviously you can't see the future, but is there any players who you think? looking at the Falcons uh, pick 35 that are first rounders who may just drop out to where the Falcons can reach, you know, and get them in round two, kind of those fringe first rounders.
3: Yeah, I could probably see, uh, you know, I know we talked about running back a little bit. Uh, I think probably Najee Harris goes in the first round, but you look at a guy like Javante Williams, um, you know, you guys signed Mike Davis, uh, who in my opinion is probably more of that, you know, backup change of pace guy. I think Javante Williams could come in and, and really be a starter there. Mike Davis can kind of be that, that number two, Edo Smith at number three um, Javante Williams is, is a fun guy to watch. He, he really took the next step this year. Uh, I think he's one guy that's kind of on that fringe uh, that you could look for. And then also, you know, the edge class and the corner class um, are pretty big, you know, the back half of the first round, early second round, um, you know, kind of depending on who you're looking at there. Uh, definitely some guys that, that you can consider a Greg Newsome, um, a Rodarius Williams, Asante Samuel, uh, at corner, um, or an edge, uh, you know, guys like, a, you know, a quiddy Pay or, um, uh, a Jalen Phillips, or, um, even like a, a, Jason Owe or something like that. Um, you know, those guys that, you know, talked about probably in the back end of the first round, some could slip, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of talent in this class and I could see a lot of good talent getting, you know, bumped down, uh, you know, each round throughout this class.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about edge rushers a little bit, um, I am curious wh- how you guys see the edge class. There's a lot of debate about who the top edge rusher is. You know, some people are in love with the upside of Rousseau. Some people are all about the, you know, proven production of a guy like Quiddy Pay. I've seen Aziz Jalari popping up into the top five. Uh, so who do you guys have as your top guy?
3: Yeah, we actually have Jalen Phillips uh, oh. out of Miami. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's our top guy. Interesting guy. You know, 6'4", 266, sixty six. Fourth year junior. Started out at UCLA, then retired for 2019, and then came back with Miami in 2020. Um, but he has all the physical tools, has the athleticism you look for, um, the bend, the hand use, strength, relentless to the quarterback, pursuit to the football. Uh, had really good numbers in 10 games this year: eight sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss, uh, 35 pressures. Uh, and then if you look at our, our handbook, he was uh, you know tops in all edges uh, 2.1 run defense total points per game. Um, so he's not just the pass rusher, but you can play against the run as well. Um, so yeah, obviously, you know, we have a lot of guys rated high. Um, the guy, those guys you mentioned, we also have high, Ojoari is our number two guy. Um, but yeah, I think we may be going against the grain against, uh, you know, most of the consensus with Phillips at number one, but we like what he, uh, what he is and what he brings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really think that's a hot take personally. I think Jalen Phillips is awesome. And if it wasn't for the injury history, I he probably would be a lot higher on people's boards. Um, so, yep. yeah, I think that's a, a spicy one that I like. Um, yeah, I do like me some Jalen Phillips, um, particularly in a defense like Dean Pease, where he's going to be asked to stand up sometimes, where he's going to be asked to put his hand on the ground. He's going to be asked to stunt and twist and do all that stuff. He has experience doing that. He's played in m- several different defenses and alignments throughout his time, too. So, um, Yep. Definitely could see him being a great fit for the Falcons. I just don't think he's going to be around long enough in the second round for them. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, uh,
4: who are some of your favorite uh, guys who would who will most likely be selected on day three of the draft? I know we never know who will get over-selected, under-selected, where they'll go exactly. But who are some of the names that we should be watching out for on that Sunday afternoon where we're just laying on our couch with the ESPN just Saturday. turned on? <laughs> All right, it's saturday on oh, my, saturday. my I, that's it okay cho- how by then the days blend to together
1: yeah
3: yeah <laughs> absolutely it, it, it Sunday, feels like so. a Sunday yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah we can stick with the same uh positions that we've kind of been talking about uh edge rusher i think chris rumpf is a is an interesting guy um you know, he has a long frame 6'2 235 athleticism is off the charts uh, you can kind of mix him up, two-point stance, three-point stance. You can even, you know, line him up over the guards, over the center. Uh, very good bend around the edge, range to go get ball carriers out on the edge. Uh, can cover the flats as well, uh, you know, drop back. Craziest part about him is I'm, I'm not convinced he actually knew what he was doing uh, mm-hmm. whenever he was at Duke. Whenever you watch him on film, he just sort of did his own thing a little bit. Um, so if you imagine a guy like that, taking that kind of guy, who has been pretty productive as, as is. Um, With those traits, but didn't really know what he was doing and then getting him into an NFL facility, uh, I think is pretty scary. So I think he's more of a fringe day two, day three guy because I could see somebody uh, taking him and and betting on his upside and athleticism, uh, you know, in the third round or something, but he would be a fun guy, I think, uh, early on day three. Uh, And then if we talk about the running backs a little bit too. Uh, Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. Um, He's our 12th-ranked running back, uh, runs a little upright and had a few fumble issues at Oregon State, um, but he shows good vision and bursts through the hole, Uh, can start and stop quickly, good acceleration. And even though he wasn't targeted much as a receiver, uh, he runs good routes from the backfield, uh, shows soft hands at the catch point. Um, You know, you watched him last year uh, in the fog against Oregon, running all over them. uh, That was definitely a fun game to watch. So I think he's one guy. Uh, That he can definitely come in be more of a change of pace guy. Uh, You know, if if Mike Davis is going to be kind of you know labeled as the starter, I think uh, Jefferson can come in and be a good change of pace guy for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love Jamar Jefferson. He's a he's a guy that I think needs to be talked about more as a guy who's capable of starting, you know, I think we get into day three, everyone just assumes these players are all backups, but you know, Devonte Freeman ended up being a starter fourth round pick. You know, I think Jamar Jefferson could maybe even be had a little bit later than that, just because I, it seems like the consensus is kind of low on him overall. And it, it is a deep class too. Um, so he just isn't quite as flashy as some of these guys, you know, he's not the the dynamic playmaker that like a Kenneth Gainwell is. He did, didn't go to a, you know, major program like a Trey Sermon, didn't have that electric season last, uh, 2019, like Chuba Hubbard. So just kind of gotten forgotten about, but a very quality player, certainly. Um, all right. I know George is going to ask me about it. So I'm just going to preempt him. Uh, what do you think about Kyle Pitts at fourth overall? Because the, the hype has started to take off for the Falcons selecting Pitts there. So what is your guys take on Pitts being worth a pick like that?
3: I mean, we have pits really high, uh, and there's a reason for that. He's a special talent, um, as impressive as a receiving mismatch as we've seen uh, come out, you know, in recent years. Um, but he's capable enough as as an inline blocker as well um, to operate more than you know just an outside big receiver. Um, he's he's a guy that's tough to game plan for, uh, speed and catch point savvy, um, and you you requires coverage from top secondary players. Um, So you're not looking at, you know, having to cover him with a linebacker or a safety because he's gonna be able to beat those guys more times than not. Um, But then also if you're trying to go, you know, pretty DB heavy uh, to sort of counter that, then it sort of opens up the rushing attack. So he's a guy that whenever he's on the field, um, it just really opens up the offense. Uh, Willingness to compete, execute in the run game, um, you know, as a regular tight end uh, is, you know, sufficient enough. Uh, to get by as, as you know, your number one tight end as well. Uh, But he's a player, you know, 6'5", 240 can be used all over the field. He's going to be successful regardless of, you know, where he lines up. Um, But I think the coaching staff needs to come in and plan on using him as a mismatch all over the field uh, to really maximize his potential. Um, Even though he's listed as a tight end, he has the receiving ability. I think you can't pigeonhole him into just one uh, position. I think using him in different ways, in different areas on the field, is really what's going to help him um, be as successful as he can and really maximize uh, all of the traits and skill set that he brings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know there's definitely a very passionate. Uh, section of our fan base led by our top, uh, donator slash show benefactor, George Costanza, uh, who has been like all over the Pitts train since the offs you know, since <clears throat> the college season ended basically. So I'm sure he's enjoying the fact that Pitts has really taken off in terms of, you know, teams really viewing him as a top five potential pick. And, um, we have heard, you know, the buzz that the Falcons may be interested. Um, Particularly for a team like the Falcons, do you see that as being a worthwhile pick? You know, knowing mm-hmm. Arthur Smith's love for the tight end, and it's rare to see a tight end taken that high. So, what thoughts there? Yeah, it's
3: yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think Pitts is more—he's the one of a kind uh, type of guy. There's not many guys that you would take this high, um, and that makes sense, obviously. But I think Pitts can be, you know, spoken as in a little bit different breath than most of those other guys. Um, like I said, you, he's a guy that you can use all over the field. He's not just a tight end, um, but you can, you know, use him in two tight end packages. You can use him in eleven personnel. You can use him as your ex receiver. Um, you can use him to block in the run game. You can obviously use him uh, against linebackers, safeties, and then he's going to require, um, you know, top cornerback help in certain situations as well. Um, and I really think what he does and what he brings really opens up the rest of the offense. So, um, is it? uh, something the Falcons really need to do? Probably not. But, um, you know, is he a guy that's going to come in and really be dominant? Uh, and is it, is the pick going to be worth it in a few years? Probably if that, uh, were the way that they go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I could see the main argument I could see for It's definitely like a best player available type thing, depending on, you know, if their chosen quarterback is, or isn't there. Um, yeah, did, uh, I, I, yeah an, go ahead, on. Yeah,
4: yeah. Another guy that's been talked about uh, as a potential non quarterback, number four overall pick for the Falcons is Penai Sewell. Uh, is Sewell that generational type offensive lineman that we keep hearing about uh, regarding his name? Is he that guy? Is he uh, projected to be that guy who's going to anchor a left side of an offensive line for the next 10, 15 years? And would, would he be worthwhile at number four? Same question uh, along with the Kyle Pitts one.
3: Yeah, I think so. We actually have him tied with Trevor Lawrence for our top overall grade in the whole handbook. Um, So we definitely have a high grade on him Uh, and we graded him, uh, you know, at left tackle, Um, you know, you guys have Jake Matthews there already. Uh, So, you know, we don't really think that he should be moved from left tackle. Um, So he could play some, some guard if really needed. Uh, But you know, he has all the skill set uh, and traits that you look for, um, you know, excellent anchor ability and play strength, uh, you know, and pass pro, dominant run blocking ability, good job getting to the second level and with balance. Um, and that all suggests that, you know, he could be outstanding, whether he's at left tackle, left guard um, or anything like that. But he's, he's a guy that's, he's really good. Uh, you know, we can say that, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely worth a top five pick. Uh, and I think he's gonna be a guy that's playing for a while, um, you know, whichever team decides to get him,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm excited about his potential too. Um, real quick break here, guys, to remind you to please like the video if you're enjoying it. If you're enjoying our discussion this evening, I know we got a lot of new folks in here tonight. Uh, and if you're not already subscribed to the channel, hit that subscribe button as well. That helps us out, helps out all those algorithms out there that we don't truly understand, but that control our entire lives. So, you know, do those things to help us out. We appreciate that. Uh, and as I said, Nathan Cooper is at Draft on Twitter and the company. I forget the handle. I know it's at Sports Info Solutions, but there might be underscores in there. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: I think it's sport, sports, in, sports Info underscore SIS, I believe.
1: Okay, that's it. Yeah, I knew there was an underscore somewhere, but yeah. <laughs>
3: um forget that one every once in a while
1: yeah it happens you know eric I, every time i say eric's twitter handle there's two underscores so it, it just takes <laughs> forever but uh yeah i mean speaking of you know sewell probably if he was drafted by the falcons would play guard i know you mentioned it briefly is that a transition you think he could make is it one that you think would be good for him long term or do you think that the falcons should be taking him with the eye of eventually moving him to tackle
3: yeah, I think you take him with the eye of eventually moving him to left tackle, but I think he could come in and play guard right away. Uh, like I said, a lot of the skill set that he has translates really well to, to guard. Um, you know, Matthews is there at left tackle. You bring Sewell in uh, at guard, that's going to be a pretty dominant left side. Um, and, you know, if Matthews decides to leave, I think Sewell, you know, fits in at left tackle. Again, That he's our top-rated player. We graded him at left tackle. Um, so we we feel that he comes in as a left tackle right away, um, but obviously in the Falcons situation, you start him at guard and then move him out to left tackle whenever that position opens up. Uh, I think that's perfectly fine in Atlanta. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I he I think he played guard in what high school? Maybe his his like first season in college. So he's got some yeah. experience there. He but was
2: actually, he was yeah. actually recruited as a guard. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah
1: so. um, but yeah, I mean when you're taking an offensive lineman in the top four or you're unless it's Quentin Nelson level guard, you want him to play tackle eventually. So um, what about, you know, this has been floated. I think on this show, we talked about it. You know, Caleb McGarry has been a little bit shaky, not necessarily someone you're like looking to replace, but um, is Sewell a potential fit at right tackle? Do you think he has the skill set to succeed there as well? I don't think he has any experience there, but what about that sort of move for him?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, he can fit on on the right side as well. Um, He's not one of those guys that can only play the left side. Uh, I think he would be just fine on the right side. Uh, Even, you know, I think we actually, uh, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think we may have actually uh, graded McGarry as a guard. Um, So (laughs) kicking him inside would actually be something that we would have been fine with. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, a guy like Sewell, he's, you know, a guy can play left tackle, left guard. Uh, right guard and right tackle. Um, I don't know if he's ever snapped before, but maybe he could even play center. <laughs> I wouldn't um, put him past yeah. <laughs> him. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think he would be He would be just fine on the right side. Uh, there's nothing in his game that would suggest he wouldn't be able to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that, that's an interesting potential move because I think if we're talking about the most likely scenarios, Jake Matthews, they just restructured like a max restructure. So they're probably not looking to move him before the end of his contract, but... Sewell also is like, he's going to be 20 when the season starts. So like they could afford to play him at guard for most of his rookie contract, then move him to left tackle and let Jake Matthews walk when he's a little bit older. That's perfectly on the table too. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about Sewell, obviously. Um, another guy I really like is Elijah Vera Tucker and a potential trade down. How do you guys view Tucker? Do you view him as a guard or a tackle? Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on Tucker? Yeah.
3: Yeah, we have Tucker as, a, as our top uh, guard, actually. So um, we like what Tucker brings. Um, good awareness, lower body technique, versatility. Um, you know, he played a little bit of, of tackle and guard. Um, we view him as, as a top guard. I know USC just had their pro day today, looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's a guy that, you know, I, I think in the middle of the first round, um, you know, we have him as a guard. Could probably kick him out to tackle. Um, you know, if, if a team, a tackle needy team, uh, decides to take him, um, but yeah, we're pretty high on him, uh, as being a guard at the next level for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's a prospect. I really like, probably not. someone the Falcons are going to get their hands on unless they have a pretty significant trade down, but definitely yeah. someone I enjoy watching. He is a, he is a people mover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's a fun. Those one. are the guys you
3: need um, at guard.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And we know Arthur Smith really values the offensive line. So um, that sort of, you know, trade down, say to like San Francisco or new England. If one of those teams is looking to get ultra aggressive for a quarterback could put the Falcons in a position where Elijah Vera Tucker is an ideal selection at that spot. Um, let's see. So one position we haven't really touched on much would be safety. Uh, the Falcons desperately need a free safety even after the free agency period, um, mm-hmm what are your thoughts on this free safety class? There seem to be a lot of guys in that kind of early day to, to uh, you know, that round two and three looks really strong at safety. So how do you guys view that safety class
3: there? Yeah, we have uh Trevin Merrigan and our Darius Washington is our top two safety. So the two TCU guys there, okay. um, you know, those are our two guys that are free safeties. They both do a lot of, you know, a lot of good things. Um, obviously, you know, a little undersized when you're talking about Washington, Um but he's a guy that's he's all over the place. Um, you know, he's not a guy that plays small, uh, even though, you know, he's, he's listed pretty small. Uh, he plays a lot bigger than he is. He's way more physical than, you know, his stature um, suggests a guy that can play the deep end, can play the intermediate levels, can come up and, and make hits, uh, you know, in the screen game and the run game uh, and kind of be all over the place as well. Um, Merrig, you know, we have a, a really high grade on, grade on him. Uh, a guy that has good instincts, can also play a little bit of, um, you know, all over the field, can play th- all three levels there. Um, the ball skills are pretty ridiculous. He tracks the ball really well, uh, is really rangy on the back end, um, and, and, you know, plays really well in that intermediate level too. So um, those are the two guys that, you know, we have as the top end guys. Um, obviously, you know, you have your your strong safeties in there as well. Um, our next free safety is probably a guy like Andre Cisco um, obviously with him, he's, uh, his ball skills are ridiculous. Um, yeah. gives up, gives up some things in, in other aspects of the game. Um, but whenever you look at him, his range and ball skills are just off the charts. So, um, that's kind of where we're looking at with the, uh, the free safety class. And I think there's some good ones to be had in the, in the middle rounds for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very deep there. So I'd be kind of shocked. The Falcons don't come out of day two with one of those guys. You know, you mentioned Cisco. I got to see him play up close cause I live in Syracuse. Um, you know, super exciting player, uh, had the injury. So that's going to probably drop him below where he should be drafted. Um, you know, Richie Grant is another one that's that I like yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, and I, I'm interested in the Ardarius Washington take because a lot of people have dinged him a lot for his size. But when you put on the tape, he's like a little fireplug, man. He's crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I do like absolutely. Washington. So do you guys just think that maybe the size is not going to be as big of a deal as some people are making it out to be?
3: Yeah, it's it's tough with size. You can't really bet on that too much. Um, You know, you can't really bet on the exceptions too often. Um, But yeah, like you said, when you watch the tape, he's he's fun to watch. He plays a whole lot bigger than his size. Uh, You wouldn't expect him to come in at five, seven whenever you watch him on the tape. Um, And like I said, he does a little bit of everything plays stronger, plays more physical than his size suggests. Uh, and you know he can kind of he can fly around with the best of them. Can guard the the smaller, speedier guys, and can also guard the tight ends at a slot as well. So I think he can do a little bit of everything. And and yeah, I think we're a little bit higher on him than most. Um, but I think at the next level, he's gonna he's gonna bring a lot to uh, to an NFL team.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's an exciting one. I do want to open the floor for the rest of you guys if if you guys have any more questions as well.
2: Um, I got I got two questions for you. So first, um, put on your your Falcons GM hat. You're on the clock at four. Uh, Pitts is there along with, let's just say, let's say Lance and Fields are are available as well. Knowing what you know that the Falcons have done this offseason and knowing what you know as far as, you know, them restructuring Matt Ryan's deal, what may be their potential outlook for the next, you know, five to ten years or so, um, where, what direction would you go?
3: I think I'd probably go Fields. Um, I think there's, there's enough depth at a lot of these other positions to start taking those guys. And with as many picks as the Falcons have as well, I think there's a lot of guys that you can get in the second, third, fourth round that are going to be guys that really, you know, change the, change the look of the roster. Um, fields, I think like, like we talked about earlier, this quarterback class is high at the top. If you're really wanting a quarterback, I think this might be the time to go do it. Uh, and I think fields is probably the best of those three that are probably there. Um, and, you know, he's going to come in, he's going to sit behind Matt Ryan. Uh, so you're not going to have to throw him into the fire, which to me is, is a great situation. I've always been an advocate for most quarterbacks to come in and sit behind guys. Um, you know, especially if you have a guy of, of Matt Ryan's, uh, you know, stature in front of him, um, and, and be able to do that. And, you know, maybe it's not the best thing, um, you know, with a lot of these guys, uh, in you know throughout the top end of the draft but i just think there's a lot of uh you know depth at a lot of these other positions that you can re- get a lot of really good guys in those next couple of rounds so i think quarterback is probably the way to go just to start grooming that guy and you can really fill the top ends of of a lot of positions uh throughout those next couple of rounds
2: there's music to my ears because I've, I've been trying to <laughs> I'm, I'm a big
1: Fields that. fan. I'm a big Lance fan too. But. We're
2: trying to fight off the cow it's A fourth overall thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Eric's it, fighting the good fight over here. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it looks great. You're adding another weapon to everything, but I think the more logical decision would be start grooming the quarterback now. Now that you have an opportunity to get, yeah. One. But what would be more fun? Grooming. I the mean, I would have fun with Justin Fields. I <laughs> because can't speak you, for you, you guys, you, but yeah. Here's my here's here's the dilemma that I'm into, because, you know, Nathan mentioned earlier, you know, next year you got Rattler, you got how, but that's that's even if those guys declare, that's not even a guarantee that those guys are going to put their name in the draft. And if they do, um, you know, that's two quarterbacks who are likely probably going to be top three picks. Which means the Falcons are going to have to mortgage the future to trade up to get one of those guys. Like it's I you, I think they're as a as an organization they're putting themselves back by not taking advantage of this opportunity to draft a franchise quarterback when you have a franchise quarterback. Um, So again, it's a rare opportunity. I think they need to to strike when the iron is hot right now because teams don't get this chance. Um, But second question, kind of taking taking the spotlight a little bit off the Falcons. And we see it every year. Uh, We're starting to see, of course, the draft rumors, the smoke screens that are swirling around. What's one domino that you think will fall early on in the draft that's going to pretty much set off possibly a wildfire of picks? I mean, what, what is the one move you may see a team trading, a team trading up, a team making a surprise pick? What is one move that you think will happen that kind of shakes things up a little?
3: That's a tough one. Um, I think, you know, you could say this really with with any year, but I think this year more than than not, I think it's going to be the trade ups for the quarterbacks. I think you're going to see a lot of trading up for these guys. I can see all four of those guys going in the first four picks. Mm -hmm. Um, There could be a lot of trades that start to do that. And then that's going to sort of sort of set the domino effect going at, you know, whether it's four or five or six. Um, for a lot of these guys that potentially could have been you know, a number two or a number three pick, now you're looking uh, at number five or number six or even seven uh, you know, for these guys because then that may even spark a little bit more trade talk um, for some of these other guys falling where a lot of people didn't see them falling. Right. Um, so I think you know, more this year than any, I think you're going to get those, those quarterbacks going really early, uh, and I think that's really going to start the domino effect you know, right
2: around pick four or five. Uh, and you're going to see a lot of good talent going off the board right around there. Okay, so you think you think it's it's pretty much going to be a team possibly hopping up to go get a guy that's probably going to create a, a a lasting domino effect. In that I think
3: so because because then you're going to start to see the other quarterback needy teams start to you know draft a Mac Jones or uh, you know these other guys you know in, in maybe at ten maybe. Uh, you know in the in the top half of the teens and then maybe a guy that wasn't gonna go until late two or three uh, is now talked about at the end of the first round um, you know it's it's that sort of of draft especially at the quarterback position like i said there's not a lot of uh, depth throughout the the draft whenever you uh, you know get past those first five or six quarterbacks there uh, so I could see some teams that are really wanting to get those quarterbacks you know start. Hopping up and maybe taking them a little earlier than they were planning to, just because all these
2: teams are starting to dra- dra- uh, trade up and draft these guys and the top for the picks. Right. Because, I mean, you, a lot of people, I guess, foresaw possibly someone, you know, hopping into Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and, and getting Deshaun Watson. But with everything that's transpired so far with him, that may not even be the case. Um, and that so that keeps a quarterback needy team on the board. In the draft one that you probably saw you know going after Deshaun Watson early on you know b- before the draft is there a favorite position of yours within the draft
3: I'm, I'm a big receiver guy I, I like receiver uh, I like watching receivers and you know last year was a crazy receiver uh, class and I think this year might be just as good okay. um, there's a lot of fun guys to watch uh, at the top end of the draft and and I think anywhere in the draft you're going to get receivers Um, it's, it's a tough position because obviously when you get, when the draft's over, uh, you know, you've gone through seven rounds, there's always, you know, 10, 15 solid receivers that you think probably should have been drafted. They're out there now they're undrafted free agents. Um, but there's just a lot of good fun receivers to watch, especially in this draft class.
2: It, well, you know, you, you mentioned receivers. Um, I got to know, man, your insight on on Devontae Smith and and how he's playing out this whole pre-draft process. I've never seen it before. I've never seen a guy try to pretty much slither his way around the size concerns, the way that he's doing. I was at the senior bowl. um, He literally measured, you know, wingspan or whatever, and that's it. He didn't put any pads. He didn't get on the scale. He didn't do anything. So as far as him going forward, um, do you think it's going to be an issue for him? The fact that he's, you know, he's weighing a buck 70 right now. So, you know, how do you see him playing out in the NFL?
3: We have him as our number three receiver. So, I mean, obviously the season he just had uh, is you know, crazy season and having him at number three tells you the receiver class that, that we have, right. um, you know, everyone knew he was a buck 70. You uh, we all knew that. I think he knows that. He knows everybody knows that, um, but it's it's hard to argue with what he brings. Um, you know, he's you know arguably one of the best you know college football seasons of all time. Uh, you look at that last year you have Chase. You know, one of the top uh, seasons of all time last year. Is it going to be a concern with his size? Obviously, uh, it, it's hard to play at 178 receiver. Um, you know, you have to be definitely have to be quick. You have to be fast. You have to run good routes. You got to be able to stay off of contact from these uh, defensive backs. Um, But I I think his route running his athleticism is, is really good. Uh, It's, it's fun to watch him play. Uh, You know, we we have Jalen Waddle number one, so we have Waddle over Devontae Smith. Uh, And I think that Waddle probably, you know, would have had just as good a season if he didn't get hurt. Uh, but what Devonte Smith did, uh, and everybody knew Devonte Smith was getting the ball, uh, and still he was able to you know run away from these guys, find the openings, uh, and you know be able to catch as many passes and get as many yards as he did. Uh, so I think he may have a little bit of a concern, uh, you know, issue and. Uh, you know, a tough time with his, his size at the next level. But I think his athleticism and his skill set is enough to kind of offset that eventually, uh, you know, here in a couple of years. And plus you got to realize when you get into an NFL facility, you're getting into an NFL weight room. He's going to put on a little bit, No, he's not going to get to 190, um, but he's going to put a little bit more muscle and bulk on uh, and, and, you know, be able to get a little bit stronger than what he is now. So I, I don't have too big of an issue
2: with it. I guess a lot of concerns with that was, you know, the fact that he spent what, let's say three years in the, in, you know, in the Alabama program. And you you would think, which is, you know, that's a program that's as close to an, an NFL organization that you can think of, but you would think he was able to put on considerable weight while at Alabama, but he really didn't. He was, I think he was recruited at about a buck 60, buck 65, maybe. So he only put on a handful of pounds through his three years at Alabama. Um, so I guess that was the concern for most of that. I believe that's a legitimate concern. The fact that he, he played for a program like Alabama. We didn't really put on the weight that you would expect him to do. So because of that, you know, with, with him there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, on the topic of wide receivers, and this will be our, our final question before we uh, close it up for tonight. But um, I am interested. The Falcons probably are going to add someone. Cause like you said, it's a very deep class. Is there a day three, you know, probably a later day three, fifth or sixth round, a wide receiver that you really like potentially for the Falcons to kind of bolster their depth chart.
3: Sorry. Can you ask that one more time? I'm getting a little bit of, no problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A day three wide receiver for the Falcons that you might uh, really like Uh, someone in that, you know, maybe fifth, sixth round range.
3: Yeah. I I mean, like I said, there's a lot of, of receivers in this class, um, you know, a lot of these guys are fun to watch. I think one guy that you could think about is Jalen Darden, uh, at a North Texas, uh, fun slot receiver. Uh, he can start and stop on a dime, uh, super shifty, uh, you know, makes a lot of catches, makes a lot of guys miss, um, put up a ton of really good numbers this year. Um, so I think he's a fun guy to watch, uh, you know, obviously the size concerns with him are definitely an issue, which I think is, is why you're looking at him more in the, the mid to late rounds. Um, but I think Darden's a fun guy that uh, you get the ball in his hands, he can, he can do a lot of stuff with it. You get, hit, get the ball into his hands you know, in, in screens, crossing routes, uh, and, and different things like that. You know, he's going to make a lot of guys miss and create a lot of yards on his own. Um, so he's a fun guy to watch. Um, you know, this, this draft class has a lot of different um, you know, shapes and sizes at receiver. you got a lot of big guys all throughout the draft. You have a lot of slot receivers and a lot of the small speedy guys as well. Um, but Jalen Darden's a guy that I watched and, and I really liked, um, and, you know, you look at, uh, you know, the size concerns and stuff and, and it's definitely an issue. Um, but you put him in, in the right situation. He's a, he's a fun guy to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then I, I can't leave without getting to, uh, George's question, which George is a big Larry Roundtree fan. So do you have any takes at all on, uh, the Missouri running back and his potential NFL projection?
3: Yeah, Roundtree we have as our number eight uh, running back. And, you know, he's, he's a guy who played really well at Missouri, um, you know, put up good numbers over the past few years. Uh, one guy that has, you know, really good contact balance, um, shows good vision. He's a, a good yards after contact guy as well. Um, so he's going to put up, uh, you know, kind of get the, the dirty yards in the middle, but he's also going to be able to do a little bit on the outside and the edge as well. Um, decent in pass pro, decent, uh, you know, in the passing game uh so he's not just a runner but he can kind of bring a little bit more than that um so he's a a, a guy that you can really look for probably in the in those mid rounds um you know a guy that you know we had we had a little bit of um you know a couple guys high on him a couple guys low on him a couple guys in the middle um but you know overall i th- i like what he brings and i think he's a guy that that can really bring uh, a lot to an nfl team and kind of you know get those tough yards uh, in some different ways
1: yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so there you go, George. There's your very Larry Roundtree take. Uh, obviously, these guys have watched a lot more Roundtree tape than I have. And by <laughs> that, I mean I haven't watched any. So um, I've seen Missouri games, but you know that that doesn't count. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, before we take off, want to give uh, our guest, he is Nathan Cooper, like I said, at N-Coop Draft a uh, chance to plug his stuff, obviously, uh, the guide and all that. So, yeah, Nathan, why don't you tell the people uh, where they can find it, what, what you guys got going on with the Rookie Handbook.
3: Yeah, SAS Football Rookie Handbook. Uh, you can find the hard copy uh, at actasports.com. That's A-C-T-A, sports.com. Uh, And for the first time this year, you can actually get a digital version, and that's available on Amazon. Um, And, you know, definitely a lot of good stuff in there. We got over uh, 300 um, players reports uh, with the stats in there this year. It's over 700 pages, tons of really great information uh, in there. Uh, And then you can also check out some draft prospect breakdowns that we do on our Sports Info Solutions YouTube page as well. Um, So a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, You know, we have three sports rolling right now. Um, but you know, for the football side, we definitely feel like we're, uh, you know, growing well and obviously draft times approaching and that's, that's my favorite time of the year.
1: Yeah. It's a great season. And again, thank you for coming on, Nathan. We really appreciate you.
3: Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, also with us tonight, he is the Falcoholics director of guest personnel. He is Evan Birchfield (laughs) at Evan Birchfield on Twitter, Evan, anything that you're working on, anything you'd like to plug.
0: Yeah, I uh, just want to say thanks, Nathan, again for coming on. You shared a lot of draft knowledge. Um, yeah, uh, just go to falcon dot com. We have a ton of different content. Um, I have my interview with Josh Harris, that's up. Uh, the Falcons' long snapper, um, who, and this is uh, you know news, he's coming on the show next week. So yes, yes. If you have questions, prepare. But yeah, um, those, those yeah, burning long the... snapper
1: questions that you've always wanted. Yeah
0: yeah exactly he'll he'll tell you he's a good He he's pretty cool too yeah. um but yeah go to the and you can follow the falcoholic uh the falcoholic on instagram so
1: yeah check that out guys for sure uh evan does a bang up job with the instagram as well That's i thought i knew social media and then people said instagram was a thing and i was like all right well i don't know that so um yeah thanks for doing that evan we appreciate you um also with us tonight, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything that you would like to plug?
4: Look, that March Madness thing, it's going to happen eventually. I i don't know, Wayne, but... The
1: technical issues have, you know, struck the, the March Madness bracket. It's been
4: like two weeks. It's it was like Oral
1: Roberts upsetting Ohio State. It just blew up the whole thing, so, you know.
4: <laughs> should have started like two weeks ago, but, you know, yeah. better late than never. It's its going to happen. It's going to go into April, and, you, you know, I'll get that going soon i hope uh or you know what maybe i won't maybe we'll wait till next month. no it'll happen it'll (laughs) no it's gonna
1: happen we he put in too much work you guys put in too much work we're we're gonna make sure this gets done but yeah definitely we will tweet it out we will like make sure you guys know uh because that's gonna be a fun bracket to uh to break down so definitely check that out guys um finally my co-host eric robinson at underscore, Eric, underscore Robinson on Twitter. Eric, anything that you're working on you'd like to let the people know about? Eric?
2: Hello?
1: You're on mute. Oh, he's on mute. All right. Yeah. All
2: right. All right. There yeah, you go. Just, yeah. Had a uh, recently released scouting report on Ronnie Perkins, edge restaurant out of Oklahoma, so give that a look um, on the alcoholic site. Got other uh, scouting reports out on Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau, uh, Quiddie Pay, so yeah, definitely give those Uh, a look-see whenever you get a chance probably going to dive into some cornerback safety stuff pretty soon as well so be on the lookout for that
1: yeah guys definitely check that out if you want to get the latest takes on Ronnie Perkins who actually based on reading his scouting reports from others I didn't think I would like that much but actually looking at some of his tape he's a little better than I thought he would be a little better than I thought he would be so definitely. um, definitely check that out guys uh and before i do my sign off i do want to shout out uh our two most recent patreon subscribers uh hold on while i pull up your names cuz i don't want to like say them wrong um yeah so we got uh two more supporters we got marcus worls and juan davis the second thank you guys so much for your support and if anyone else is interested in joining us on patreon getting access to some exclusive content including our monthly falcons question and answer sessions you can sign up at patreon.com slash falcoholic live join our growing community we got 12 patrons now wow that's nice yeah so thank you guys we really appreciate you um but yeah, guys, I am Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter. I will have my next mock draft very soon. Uh, so be looking for that on thefalcoholic.com along with uh, a new video. I think the first one, I'm going to be breaking down, doing some, you know, film breakdowns on some of these uh, free agent editions. So the first one's probably going to be Mike Davis. Um, so look for that either late this week or early next week, depending on how much film I want to get into for that. Um, but otherwise guys like and subscribe all that good stuff. Again, thank you so much for tuning in all of the regulars, all of the new folks. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in during the off season. We will be back to once a week. Uh, as long as I don't go on vacation, you know, into the wilderness where the, the internet cannot support the stream. Uh, so as long as that doesn't happen, we'll continue doing once a week, at least until the draft. Um, so we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Uh, as Evan said, with Falcons long snapper Josh Harris joining the show. We hope to be getting uh, some additional players on throughout the offseason as well. So until then, guys, for all of us, thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.